Sex, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the speculative interdimensional vehicle, Sex in Space. Its mission, to explore new points of view, to seek out fresh opinions, to boldly go where so many have gone before, and still somehow manage to totally miss the point. Subscribe to Sex in Space, wherever quality podcasts are found. Hi there, I'm Tim and welcome back to Sex and Space, here continuing to explore sex across all of its infinite dimensions. This is episode 36, part 2, the second half of the great chat that I had with Kath Hackinson. Kath runs Sex Ed Rescue, a better way to talk to kids about sex. Check out part 1 if you haven't already. Here in part 2, we cover talking to your kids about diversity and pleasure, amongst other things. Let's get into it. We might leave porn there for a minute, but the, the <laughs> other part of what you do through the sex ed, um, obviously, I guess you, and particularly with, with um, educating parents on how to best talk to their children, um, is around, I suppose, the, the two tricky subjects at the moment, which were challenging subjects to navigate, would be diversity and, and pleasure. <laughs> Diversity is an important one, and that's yeah. one that you start from a very young age, and it's yeah. actually written into the early years curriculum. When we look at um, growing up children in a healthy way, part of those messages are about diversity. Now, yeah. um, there's a beautiful set of board books coming out by an author called Megan Madison in America, and they're a fantastic illustrator, and it's a series of what I think are the important conversations. So there's one about diversity and skin, there's another one about consent, families and love, but they're really important conversations. So diversity is a good one because it's basically, it's everyone is different and that's okay. So yeah. you're different, I'm different. And when we can have these conversations, I, I believe there's two benefits. First of all, it makes kids more accepting of differences in other people. So they're not going to tease people or make fun of them or, if they are different, but it also means that, so they're going to be more inclusive, but it also means that if they're different themselves, they're going to be more accepting of their own differences, which yeah. has a huge impact on body image, self-esteem and stuff. Um, yeah. So that diversity is really important. And that's why we're now seeing a lot more children's books come out with different colour bodies, um, with differing abilities. So we're now seeing children's books and it might have a, children, a child with Down syndrome in the book. And I've had parents message me after buying some of my stuff saying they showed it to their child with a disability and their kid the first thing I pointed out was mum there's a kid like me yeah so kids Maybe. notice this and now what we're starting to see because I review a lot of books so I see the patterns and a pattern that we're starting to see now is lots of different body shapes yeah and we're starting to now see a lot more books coming out with pink hair, pull out my ear mm. thing, pink hair, tattoos, nose piercings, and things like that as well. So we're starting to see even more diversity yeah. cropping up in books as well. Yeah. And I just think it, it's funny, because sex education is a lot about values, and I often say that I don't preach my values when I teach, but one of my values is that we want our children to grow up and to be 
good people and we want to make the world a better place. And therefore, acceptance and understanding of diversity is just, it's one of those foundations. It's, I think it's conversations that we need to be having with our kids. Yeah, absolutely. And it does, I mean, it starts, it can start so early and have such massive benefits, um, you know, from a individual point of view. But then I guess that, that, that sort of just has a snowball effect doesn't yeah. it that's, yeah. that's what's nice about it yeah sometimes we're lucky we might live in a diverse part of town like my mm. daughter came home the other day she'd been at a friend's for the weekend and she said mum she said I'd never noticed but she said we've got a lot of same-sex couples she said we know so many people that are gay I said yeah, yeah. she said but when I went to my friend's place everyone's husband wife you know yeah. 2.3 children four cars and she said we really live in a diverse part I said yeah Every time, because I live in the inner city, every time I walk into the city through our Chinatown, um, I'm always coming. I'm always coming across non-binary people, transgender people, people dressing in ways that you don't expect, and you become, you forget that that's not how the rest of the world is. But yeah, this yeah. is why books can be good because I have a lot of parents reach out to me and they go, "Kath, I live in this little town. Everyone goes to church. Everyone's white." everyone's homophobic and transphobic I don't want my kids to grow up like that and it's like read them books yeah. talk about the people you see on TV um, when they're watching a Cinderella and she falls in love with the prince it's like well why doesn't she fall in love with a princess you know some people do and talking about that sort of stuff it just helps to make kids grow up to be more inclusive and better people yeah, definitely. The pleasure conversation is, yeah. a, is a one that I think people find sticky because that can that can lead on to shame if not dealt with correctly, can't it? Mm. Um, how how do you approach that one? Oh, I'm still trying to get my head around that one as well because it's not really written into a lot of what we know about sex education. So mm. a friend of mine, when I was creating some resources on how babies are made, she actually told me how she has a conversation and it's wrapped around consent. So I now explain baby making in a different way. It's not... The, I'll, I'll use gendered terms. It's not the man puts his penis in the vagina. Mm -hmm. It's... The person, it's the woman lets the man put his penis in her vagina. There's consent there. Mm. Um, so you can wrap consent in that way. But in regards to pleasure, pleasure's a tricky one. And the way I break it down is that we might start talking about where babies come from. Mm -hmm. Because that's really the only reason we talk to kids about sex at a young age is because yep. they're curious about how they're made and they want to know their story. So we talk to them about how babies are made and that might be IVF, adoption, or it might be from old-fashioned sex. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we talk about how they're made. So we're telling them about sex and then they go, okay, so it takes an egg and a sperm, but how does the sperm get all the way from there to there? And then I don't like language like special cuddles because... It traumatises children when they fall over or they cuddle a friend and they think they're pregnant. Right. Um, so I'm big yeah. into direct language. So yeah. the penis goes into the vagina and, they, and that's all they need to know. They don't, you know, 
they might ask questions, but they're too young to understand or even think yeah, yeah. about the fact of vaginal lubrication, erection, arousal, all that sort of stuff. So as they get a little bit older, they then start to think. And then you might go, like you might be sitting at the dinner table and they'll go, I'll look around the table and there's three kids and they'll go, so you, you two have had sex three times. <laughs> and then it's like, well, no, we actually have sex for fun as well. It's a way of showing our love. So then we start talking about the fact that sex happens for other reasons as well yeah. and we always tell them that it's for adults and that you have a choice you, you know you don't have to get your license to drive a car and you don't have to have sex if you don't want to you're the boss of your body you make the decisions so we can slowly start letting them know that sex happens for other reasons as well and then we can also talk about it just about it being pleasurable yeah, and, and that if we fell into masturbation. Yeah. Yes. Stuff like so that. when yeah. they're little and you walk into the room and they're masturbating or they're rubbing their genitals, you can go, yep, I know that feels nice, doesn't it? But we don't do that in the lounge room. We do that in a private place. So where are the private places in our house? Yeah. So it's about reminding them. So you affirm that, yes, it, you have lots of nerves down there. And when you touch your genitals, it can feel nice but that's a private activity that happens in a private place. So if we can have these sort of matter-of-fact, casual, comfortable conversations, it's letting them know that that part of the body can feel good, mm. but yeah. yeah. And, but a lot of pleasure, it's still getting written into a lot of stuff. I am slowly starting to see stuff come out that talks right. more about pleasure, but yeah. not a lot. I was going to say it was the one thing that you know um, is noticeably absent from from a lot of sex ed because it yeah it's just like you said it's a lot of like oh you do this because you want to make a baby or you you know you do this because it's a bodily function or whatever yeah. it's not, yeah <laughs> there's well, this underlying thing missing but yeah because yeah. I'm a nurse so I look at why do we have these conversations is it because there's this group of wankers who have all said you have to talk to your child about this this and this and it's like well why yeah. tell me where you got that information from because something i realized very early on when i did my masters and i was doing my research project was that you could not rely on the research that a lot of people were spouting that say something and then you'd go try find the original source and that wasn't what they said at all so right. people constantly misinterpret stuff yeah. and so i want to know that if someone's telling me that it's okay for me to do this with my kid i want to actually know where they got that information from so i like child sexual development is one of you know we all geek out on something i geek out on child sexual development i find it fascinating how yeah. children develop and how they can go off the path of healthy and get into unhealthy um, and that sort of thing but yeah so when we look at sex education it's very much tied into supporting healthy sexual development so we've got to look at the things they're naturally interested in but we also have to look at the risks because mm. we live in this world so there's a chance that you know kids aren't interested in pornography but they're going to get exposed to it so we need to talk about stuff to keep them safe as well so it's sort of like this intertwining but yep. yeah um so we, i guess we <clears throat> we've covered off how this has changed and evolved since you started it um, and is still evolving. I guess I wanted to ask about trends um, that you might have sort of seen. Is Are we going in the right direction? Is Are you seeing a positive direction when it comes to sex ed? Are people talking more than they were, you know? Yeah, I think they yeah. are. I think because... <laughs> 
I work because I work in the online space. I've set things up well so people find me, and I've got a, you know my Facebook groups about 100, nearly 160,000, and right. that's parents from all over the world that come and ask questions that they cannot ask anyone else. Yeah. Um, so I'm noticing that I'm getting a lot more parents. Still getting a lot waiting until it's time for the talk at puberty. So probably half of them are still waiting until that age of puberty. But the other half are the ones that I've got parents with babies, Tim. They want to start talking to their kids. They're thinking about it at that baby age. I was yeah. clueless. Um, they're wanting to. They're wanting something different. So I think. Yeah, I'm noticing that we've got a lot more parents that are insightful and they don't, they've realised that they've grown up wrapped in abstinence. Now, I work with a lot of American people and in Australia, religion in my country, Queensland, growing up, religion is something that isn't really a big thing in yeah, my yeah. life. And I was working with all these people from America and they were getting triggered by all this stuff with religion. So I had to do, actually had to go off and do some training about working with clients from a religious background. And so I'm now starting to see a lot of American parents who have realized that they've grown up shrouded in shame mm. and ignorance and they're wanting to change that. So yeah. Um, I, yeah, I am noticing a change, getting a lot of parents wanting information about pleasure as well. They're wanting to see that get wrapped into the conversations that they're having. Brilliant. I mean, I suppose from, you know, the approach that you've taken with with directing, sort of talking to parents about how to talk to their children, what you're hopefully setting up is this kind of intergenerational loop knock-on effect that, you know, yep. what we've picked up on is, you know, these these parents and probably their parents before them have experienced all the horrors of shame and you know abstinence and all all of the the stuff and then now yeah what we're seeing is a, is a hopefully a hopefully a trending in the right direction yeah, so that's good breaking that cycle of shame i yeah. know that my kids are going to one day talk to their children and yeah. their children are going to talk to their children the cycle just you know it's dropped the stone in the pond mm. and the ripple gets bigger and bigger so that this is the thing with our conversations and it's not rocket science you don't have to sit and talk to them about everything under the every single topic yeah. i don't talk to my kids about half the stuff that you're technically supposed to talk about yeah. so um it's just you know you can just be having casual conversations occasionally it's you don't have to do a lot to create change mm. no that's mm. good and the ripple effects very nice because it feels um like you're doing the right thing, but it doesn't have to be, yeah, this huge thing that, that you've... Best gift you can ever give your children with yeah. the hope that they're going to have happy, fulfilling relationships and enjoy pleasure. Mm. Mm. No, I mean, I know, it, I know it's, it's tricky because they're so different and, you know, across the world it's so different, but um, could or should schools be doing a better job or would you really like just to put the onus on... Oh. It's tricky because values come from us. Mm. And if parents aren't talking about values, kids develop them from what their friends are doing, what they see on TV. They're having to work out their values for themselves. So I think parental stuff really does need to happen. But yeah. we live in the real world. 
We Most do. kids yeah. aren't getting conversations with their parents. Therefore, I think schools need to step up and provide kids with that actual information. And mm. if it's done properly in the teenage years, they can actually start talking about values and help kids to... They can sort of start to guide the values that they are developing as well. Mm. But yeah. ultimately... What tends to happen is schools play it safe and they're just teaching them facts. There's yeah. no advice on what you should or shouldn't do. And that's yeah. where parents should be providing that guidance. Well, because I suppose the schools are walking a tightrope, for want of a better word, right, between, you know, extreme on one side and extreme on the other and trying mm. to kind of probably keep everybody happy and stuff like that. So, yeah, they've, they've got a... A, a slither in the middle ground to maybe yep. cover off, but the parents can do the nuance. <laughs> it's very hard for schools, and I can understand yeah. why they struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, in terms of, I suppose, you know, keeping abreast of culture changes, you know, in, in media and, you know, the the sort of the culture war type conversations, I mean... I guess it's it's kind of nice just to block all that out sometimes. Um, but do you do you see um, any sort of major challenges sort of coming down the track that we should oh. all kind of be prepared for? Or do you think we'll kind of hopefully be all right? Oh, genders are real. There's such a change. Like mm -hmm. I, I know the changes I've had to make to my website and the changes that I've seen around gender. I think we're going to hear, we're going to be seeing and hearing a lot more about gender, mm -hmm. um, which is really good as well. Um, what's another thing? Oh, parents, oh, over-sexualisation is something that, you know, when you dig deep and read into why media is sexualised, it's all about, you know, you look at how Barbie dolls have changed and dolls and, you know, every time they do a new type, it becomes more and more sexual. And it's about, you know, creating toys that will sell better or mm. having shows that are, are different. And so... The over-sexualisation is something that I'm seeing a lot, lot more of and a lot more, a lot of parents are actually scared of it as well. It's like, what sort of world have I grown on my children up in? You know, maybe I shouldn't have had kids because this is a world they're living in. I do see a lot of that. I like to, to um, tip that one upside down. It's like rather than see all the doom and gloom, you know, while all this sexualisation actually makes my job as a parent so much easier because yeah. I never run out of things to talk about because yeah. I'm always seeing sexualised messages that I don't like and I can talk about it with my kids. So the over-sexualisation is a problem, but as a parent, it actually makes it easier. Mm. And it's interesting because it's funny when you look at sex ed over the years, I actually think that now's probably the time that we really do need to be talking to our kids because of the internet and pornography and kids accessing information. And you might be doing all the right stuff with your kid, having fantastic conversations, but most of the kids they're going to school with won't be having conversations with their own parents. They're going to be exposed to porn. They're going to have no parent to help them. Mm. They're going to be doing their own play therapy and acting out what they saw on porn with other kids. So, yeah, and this is the thing. You know, I've got a teenage daughter, and I, she wants to go away for uni next year, so she'll be on the other side of Australia, and I've got hesitations because I'm thinking the place she wants to go to is where they do all the army officer training, and there's shocking sexual assault, abuse, oh, yeah. rape stuff going on in that 
different place. And I'm thinking, well, what are her first sexual experiences going to be? Because she tells me she likes boys, so it'll probably be with someone with a penis. Um, and it's like, what if they've grown up on a diet of porn? What if they think what you see in a porn movie is real-life sex? And mm. it's, my, my kids are going to be having to be intimate and form relationships with all these other kids that probably haven't had the conversations my kids have had. And that mm. scares me sometimes. But I guess at least by talking with my kids, they're going to be a little bit more aware and ready to deal with that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. It is a little scary sometimes when you that think is, of the yeah. world our kids are growing up in. Well, your kids are younger too, so... Yeah, oh, rapidly steaming towards, you know, their teenage years, though. Like, it's mm. uncannily quick. But, um, yeah, there's different different techniques, I suppose, when you are talking about, you know, teenagers sort of leaving the nest, so to speak. Mm. Um, you, you're trying to create independence for them as well as opposed to you know coming to you for the answers all the time or maybe maybe they can be the um the people that, that are sort of going out and doing this work among their friend groups you know mm. educating and and saying hey this is not right or this is you know advocating for their own pleasure whatever it might be but yeah. um yeah interesting stuff um so have you changed yourself since doing that or learned anything that's that's made you think differently about a perception that you might have had? Oh, it's, it's that whole parenting thing, you know. You know, if, if you could go back in time and would you choose to be a parent or would you not? Some of my friends say no, they wouldn't right. be a parent again. But it's funny, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I wasn't a parent. Mm, and yeah. I look at how much parenting has changed me dramatically. And, yeah, it's – and just learning more and more about sex education and how to support our parents, it's definitely made me do a better job with my kids, yeah. I think. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. I should be off to sexedrescue.com um, <laughs> for all my tips and tricks. It's incredibly comprehensive, actually. I was very impressed with how, well, you know, what a deep – dive everything and I was kind of like I wonder if she's thought of that oh that, there it is <laughs> it's because I work with because I work in the online space I yeah. don't go and run a workshop and have people physically ask me so I'm always collecting info from people I'm always yeah. listening and always creating stuff that I know is going to help them because um yeah Brilliant. so the so websites the website that I wished I'd had when my kids were younger because I was yeah. just couldn't find anything. Well, I've got it. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make the most of it. It's great. <laughs> so you've got um, you've got your your sex ed 101, your puberty 101, and mm. porn 101. There's books on there, um, links to video recommendations and yeah, all the tools like to make it easy. Because it doesn't yep. have this is the thing. Sex ed doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to be a walking encyclopedia. All you need are just resources and a place to turn to when you need it. Yeah, people have done yeah. the hard, the hard yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So yeah, mm. um, but some of your courses, though the um, the master classes, sorry, I should call them. Yeah, that's um, my new thing I'm doing. Awesome. So that's just the yeah, because I'm in right. the yeah I'm in the Facebook group all the time, and if I see pain points popping up all the time, um, right. I'll 
do some quick training. So the goal yep. is to get it to 60 to 90 minutes, hopefully 60, and to just quickly go in, address their fears, talk about why they're doing it, why they need to talk about it, and then give them the info. And then I'm big into Q&A. So I get them to send in questions and then I do little, indiv- I keep the Q&A as separate because yep. I hate it when you buy training and the questions and answers, you've got to sit there and listen for two hours. So I break mine. I, I create resources that I want. I'm a busy yeah. parent myself, so it's Brilliant. about, yeah. The um, questions make it so much better because you can't talk about everything in a training or it would be for four hours. Yeah, Who wants yeah. Who to listen 100%. to me talk about masturbation for four hours? Oh, you some, don't. Someone doesn't want to. Maybe. So the Facebook group's a big, a big thing as well. Tell me about that. Is that something that you can access through the site, obviously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's that parent group. So I started that because parents are so lonely. They can't go to the park and talk about little Johnny masturbating the dog because mm. everyone, someone might report him to the RSPCA or yeah, probably. the story will get blown out of proportion at a little Johnny having sex with the dog. So they can't talk about a lot of stuff with their friends mm. about sex and other parents don't talk about it. So they're very alone. They might not be able to talk to their mum because mm. they might not have that relationship. So I wanted to create a place where parents could help each other and it's sitting at about just under 160,000 and it's an incredible place. Do get a bit of judging because we're talking about sex and we're talking yeah. about values and people fight and defend their values, but it's a pretty safe place for people yeah. to learn. So someone might ask a question and you'll get heaps of different responses and you'll read it and you'll go, oh, I would never do that. Or you might turn around and go, oh, I never thought of trying that. So you can get different ideas on how parents handle stuff yeah yeah so, so you don't actually have to wade into the comment section yourself you can just yeah, read yeah. and take whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah a lot of parents don't even ask questions they just search in the group and get yeah. ideas from that so it's a good place because it gives them a place to turn to yeah yeah it's good that things like forums and the facebook groups and stuff like that exist so oh, reddit yeah. The number of people who find me through Reddit, and there's another one, another one of those forums like Reddit. Yep. I get a lot of people finding me through there as well, just through conversations that they're having. Brilliant. Well, mm. if anybody listens to this podcast, which I assure you they do, uh, it's sexheadrescue.com is the place to find you. That's your website. And then there's oodles of links and goodies uh, through that as well. Am I right in thinking, yeah, that there's the Facebook group, um, and Instagram, yeah, lots of places. Barely. <laughs> Mainly Facebook. Mainly Facebook. All right, we'll just stick with, stick with Facebook. It's good. It's a place to go. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for um, sharing your knowledge and your time, your precious time. Thank you very much. Mm. I've learned a lot. I can tend to learn a lot more. Um, I'll be joining the Facebook group. <laughs> the Wild West. It's the like world. Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. She starts off in Kansas and then she gets blown into Oz. Yeah. I often joke that the Facebook group is very much like getting blown into Oz. It's yeah. a different place. Oh, well. Yeah. It'll make a change from um, Bonsai Beginners, which is another one I'm in, and um, <laughs> some other like local ones where it's all like lost cats and oh. you know stuff like that. So... Really hope you enjoyed that one. Check out more of Kath at sexheadrescue.com. Before we sign off, we want to remind you to check out our book, available at sexandspace.com forward slash book to download and buy. 
Don't forget to leave us a like, follow, comment, or review wherever you're tuning in from. Your support means the world to us. Until next time, safe travels, and see you on the next episode.